message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but you know, the weather is changing right now. You know, first it's cold and then it's hot and now we're about to get a bunch of wind and uh, last week we had some fog rolling in. I don't know if you get up early in the morning, uh, but we've had this fog kind of rolling in in the morning. And fog is kind of weird. It's a little mysterious. You're like, you're looking out, but you can't, you can't really see all the way, but you kind of, it's a little bit familiar. And um, just, you know, early this week when I, when I saw some fog, it reminded me of, of, a, of a, um, something happened in my life that, that stuck with me. Um, and I was up in Big Bear snowboarding, and I was coming back down the hill but the, um, the fog was so bad, nobody was driving because it was really thick fog and you couldn't really see in front of you very good. But I thought, look, I have to work tomorrow. I got to get off this hill. So I figured I'm going to drive in the fog anyway. And it was really thick fog and I'm driving and you can only go like 20 miles an hour because you couldn't see anything except for just a few feet in front of you. So I'm, I'm driving. I'm like, this is crazy, but I got to get off this hill even if it takes me hours. And, and I noticed after a while, somebody pulled up behind me and was able to pass me and go faster than me. And I think, I'm thinking to myself, hey, this guy can see better than I can. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow him, and I am just following his taillights. I'm just following this guy's taillights. I'm not looking at the road. I'm just following this guy's taillights. And as I'm following this guy's taillights, thinking that he can see better than me, it dawned on me, what if this guy can't see better than me? <laughs> what if he can't see any better than me, and I'm just following his taillights? I thought, what if this guy's under the influence? What if he's inebriated? I'm following his taillights. I thought, wait a second. What if this guy like went off a cliff? <laughs> I would go off a cliff right behind him. And all this is going through my mind as I'm going faster through the fog behind these taillights. And then, you know, I don't know if you have these thoughts. Maybe it's just me come up in your head. I'm thinking, great. What would that police report look like? The police report comes the next day. They're looking at the scene. Two cars go over a cliff and... They say, what was it? Was it a collision? Look at the ground. No, it wasn't a collision. Was it because of the ice? Is that why it happened? Nope. No ice last night. Why did it happen? I don't know. Seems like one guy just drove off the cliff and the other guy followed him. Just followed his taillights right off the cliff. And so it takes faith to follow somebody's taillights. It takes faith to follow taillights. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of the unseen. But here's the thing about faith, and we're going to be looking at faith this morning, specifically the kind of faith when you can't see. The kind of faith when you can't see. You just can't see in life. You don't exactly know what's ahead. You don't know what's going on, and you don't know, but you need faith. And it's hard to have faith when you can't see. And if you're a note taker, I would encourage you to write some things down, because this is going to help you when you're in your trials, when you're in difficult times. There's a few key points that's really going to help you with your faith when you can't see. And the first one this morning is, is that our faith is only as good as the object we place it in. Our faith is only as good as the object we place it in. You see, I placed my faith in that driver and his taillights, and that is not a great object to put your faith in. Some people put their faith in the stock market, for example, and it's only as good as the object it's in. Lost a 1,000 points last week or some crazy thing. Okay, it's only, our faith is only as good as the object that we place it in. Now, if you place your faith in God Almighty, 
and his promises, then that's the object that you're placing your faith in. Faith is only as good as what we place it in, and that matters a lot because we're talking today about faith when you can't see. And you and I, in life, we go through things where we, we get to a point where I can't see ahead, and I don't know, and I don't even see a light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes when you're, when you're, going, when you're going through a difficult time and you do see a light at the end of the tunnel, it's one thing to hold on and hang on until you get there because you know at some point I see that light, and at some point I'm going to get out of this thing. But sometimes... You don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes you're going through it and you don't know what the future holds, but you're not liking the situation and it's not what you signed up for. It's not what you thought. And you got to, at that point, what is it like to have faith when you can't see anything, anything? And this passage today, as we're going through Matthew, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 11 or on your device, however you read your word, uh, Matthew chapter 11, we're picking up where we left off last week. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew. It's been an amazing journey with Jesus. We're learning all kinds of great things, discovering all kinds of kind of great things. But we have to be careful where we place our faith. Some people put their faith in, in, in people, or sometimes they put their faith in medicine, or they put their faith in uh, retirement or investments. And, and you gotta just you got to put your faith in God, because he's the only unshakable. He's the only unmovable. His promises are are yes and amen, and, and his, his, his word doesn't return void. So that's really important. Um, today, uh, in this passage, we're going to get a really classic example of what it is to have faith when you can't see. And specifically, Jesus is, Jesus is highlighting today, um, looking at John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist is not the Apostle John. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John. John the Baptist is the one who came right before Jesus to tell everyone, hey, get ready The Messiah is coming, and he's coming any day now. Israel has not heard from God in 400 long years. There has been no prophet in Israel's land. There used to be prophet after prophet after prophet, and then poof, silence, silence. Israel was hearing from God all the time, getting downloads all the time, revelation, insight, direction, and then poof, silence, nothing. They knew the Messiah is coming someday, God's not saying anything. And finally, after 400 long years, John the Baptist shows up on the scene and says, it's on. Everyone get your heart ready, turn around, get your life ready. The Messiah is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. The moment you've been waiting for, it's coming. And he's out at the desert preaching this, looking like a kind of a wild man. He has nothing to do with the civilized church life in the city and everyone's flowing out to the desert to hear this guy, even the religious leaders. And there's thousands of people showing up, and he's like, guys, God says it's on right now. It's time. Turn, get ready. And he's baptizing people to get their life turned around and get their heart ready. And it's an amazing, amazing scene in the Bible. We're not going to talk about that, but that's the setup with John. And because of this big revival in the desert, the Roman Empire says, we don't like large groups meeting together out in the desert. We don't like that. We don't like revivals. We don't like anything that we can't control. So we don't like this John the Baptist guy. The religious leaders don't like him either because all the people are going out to John the Baptist instead of the religious leaders. So finally, John the Baptist gets arrested. And at this point in the scene, John the Baptist is arrested. He could be in prison based on some commentaries, maybe a year now. He's arrested. One of the reasons he's arrested is because he's really bold and he's telling everyone, this is what God says Everyone, get your life and your heart lined up with God. This is what God says. And some people don't like, if you've never noticed this, some people don't like what God says. 
There's some things, oh, love your neighbor. I like that, I like, but other things that God says, some people just don't like some of the things God says because people don't want to change. And John the Baptist is saying things. Many are changing, getting ready for what God's about to do. And some people, specifically Herod and his wife Herodias, are like, we don't want to hear this guy anymore. So John the Baptist is arrested, probably arrested for about a year right now. He's in jail, and things are not uh, looking the way he thought it would look. And this is where the passage picks up in uh, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at this in sections and discover what it's like to have faith when you can't see. Starts in verse one and says this. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, That's a pretty profound statement from John the Baptist because John the Baptist earlier had an amazing level of faith. John the Baptist earlier told the crowds, hey, everybody, they're all gathering around, thousands of people out by the Sea of Galilee, out by the, excuse me, by the the Jordan River where it meets the Dead Sea. He's out there, thousands of people, and says, guys, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me, I'm not even fit to tie his sandals I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And everyone's like, whoa, what is this? The Messiah's coming. I'm only about, he's going to fill you with God's power and his presence. I'm only baptizing you to get ready for him. My whole job is to get you ready for him. This is not the main event, John's saying, to all these thousands of people coming out. And then finally, one day, Jesus comes on the scene. He finally rolls out there to the desert. And John the Baptist goes, look. Here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here he is, right here, everybody, the moment you've been waiting for. Jesus comes forward. He baptizes Jesus. And at this moment in Scripture, we see the Trinity in one place at one time. God the Father saying, this is my son who I love. Listen to him. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit descends as a form of a dove. And everyone's like, Whoa, this is amazing. This is an epic moment in history. The Messiah is clearly here. So John the Baptist is right in the middle of all this stuff. He's seen this explosive thing going on. And as a result, now many are following Jesus. And John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. Little side note in your life. If you want Jesus to increase in your life, there's only one way. We have to decrease so that he can increase. There can't be more of us and more of Jesus at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. If you're willing to decrease, he will increase. If we humble ourselves in his sight, he lifts us up. There's a a profound truth in God's kingdom, the way it works. But John's in jail about a year. Things are not looking good. Definitely not what John expected. If you were John and God was using you as a prophet and all these people are coming and getting their heart ready for God and then you're in jail, days turn into weeks and weeks are turning into months. And John's thinking, I don't know how this thing's going to end, but this is not going down the way I thought. Maybe you've been in a situation in life yourself with a job or a relationship or something that you were pursuing that after a while you're like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought. This is not the way I thought it was going to go down. And John the Baptist, as amazing as he is and as powerful prophet, this is not the way he thought it was going to go down. And so Jesus... uh, uh, 
Wait, I don't want to jump ahead on that part. Um, so, so John the Baptist is struggling right now. He's like, this is not what I thought it would be. I didn't know it would be like this. And in his trial, in his trial, he is losing hope. How do we know he's losing hope? Because he's saying, you better ask Jesus if he's really the one. I know I said he was, and I believed it. But where I'm at right now, in this jail, weeks, months, I didn't think it was going to happen like this. And I, and I have a question. I got a concern. Could I have missed it? And you got to be careful. He's saying, guys, John the Baptist is saying, maybe I was wrong. Now, I want to just tell you something. In your life, you're going to go through trials too. You're going to have them. You might be in a trial right now. You might be in a struggle and a difficulty. Be very careful. Be very careful with maybe I was wrong. Be very careful with that. Because the devil would love you to believe, yes, you were wrong. Do you know that? The devil challenges and questions everything that God wants to do in your life. In the, in, in the book of Genesis, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? To get you to think, well, I guess maybe he didn't. And the devil is relentless at trying to get you and I to question God, his goodness, his nature, his promises. He does it all the time. And, and right now, John the Baptist, this amazing prophet, is going, maybe I was wrong. Could you go ask Jesus to his followers? Could you go ask him, is he the right one or is there somebody else? Because I thought he was, but I don't know. I didn't think it was going to be like this. It's an amazing point in time. When you hear that voice, know it's not the voice of truth. When you're following God, when God shows you something in Scripture and is leading you in life and you have a conviction that God's in it and you're going down the road and then you start to go through a trial and in the trial you say, maybe I was wrong. You know, God doesn't usually take us out of trials. He brings us through trials. Have you noticed that? We want just out of the trial. God brings you through the trial. But in this case, if you hear that voice, sometimes that's the voice of the enemy when you think, maybe I was wrong. John the Baptist is asking that question. I think maybe I was wrong. Would you go ask Jesus? And so John hears about what Jesus is doing. He hears about it, but he doesn't see it. Now, this is important because it's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to see it with your own eyes. Scripture has a whole lot to say about faith and seeing. Faith and seeing compared to faith and hearing. Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Faith is the assurance of of the hoped for, the conviction of the unseen. That's what faith is by definition. And yet when you and I are going through life and we don't see, it starts to mess us up a little bit. When we're going down a road, we're going by faith, but we think we got a glimmer or a glimpse of something, and then all of a sudden, we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, and we're like, I didn't think it was going to happen like this. I didn't think it was going to go down like this. I'm a little confused, and maybe I was wrong. And that's exactly where John the Baptist is. John hears what Jesus is doing, but he can't see for himself, so he goes and asks his followers, would you guys find out, ask him, Jesus, are you positive you're the final Messiah like it for sure. Could you, could you let me know? Because I'm not liking things in jail here and this is not the way I thought my life would go. This is not the way I thought life would roll out. This trial is really hard. This is worse than I could have imagined. I feel like I'm losing hope. And sometimes we go through the same thing. When the trial isn't going the way you thought, life is not going the way you expected it to and you didn't think it would be like this. And sometimes we start to lose hope and we question the very nature of God. We question the very nature of God and his promises just 
like John does. Be careful of that voice. The second point this morning is this. If you're a note taker, I encourage you to write this one down. Um, We all have big faith until we go through a big trial. We all have big faith until we go through a big trial. It's easy to go, yeah, I got faith. I believe in God. I, you know, I believe he did this. I believe he's going to do that. That's, we, that's one thing to believe. But when you're going through the trial and you're not seeing, oh, that's a whole nother story. That takes a whole nother level of faith to get through those things when you can't see. But we all have big faith until we go through a big trial and that is your test. That is your test to have faith when you can't see. When you don't hear God, you don't see God, you don't know what God's doing, that's when you have to use your faith. See, faith is just a concept or an idea until you go to exercise it. Faith is just a principle until you step out on it. And that's what's going on here with John. He's having a a little bit of a crisis in faith. Some commentators don't want to say that. Well, he's John the Baptist. Leave him alone. Listen, if you go to Jesus and you say, "You're you're the Messiah, you're the Lamb of God, and you see the Father speak from heaven and the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, and you know the Trinity is present in one place at one time, this is my son who I love, who I'm well pleased, listen to him. You know that. You see everyone following Jesus. Then you're in jail for a while. And you start to question, is Jesus really the one? That's a crisis of faith right there. You can look at it any way you want. John the Baptist is having a struggle right now. I know what I thought I heard, but this isn't the way I thought life would go. I wonder maybe I was wrong. Could I, could I have missed something? So he asked his followers, would you go check in? And you need to ask him very directly, like look him straight in the eye and say, Jesus, are you for sure the one? Because I'm not really getting this right now. And that's where this passage is. So John's disciples, John's disciples go and present this to Jesus. And Jesus responds in verse 4. It says, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So John, again, he started with amazing faith, a difficult trial, and now questioning Jesus, questioning God. We do the same thing sometimes. We believe you, God. Yes, I believe you. But in the trial, we start to go, hmm, is God even listening to me? Is God even answering my prayer? Has any of you guys ever done this, right? And and you start to question, you start to question God or his nature or his ways. This is very common. It's not that we're not going to have a struggle, and God's not upset with our struggle. It's where do you aim your struggle? At least John the Baptist is taking the struggle. See what he's doing with it? He's bringing his struggle to Jesus. You see this? That's what you got to do, guys. We're all going to go through struggles. We're all going to have these crises of faith where we're trying to reconcile what we believe and what we're going through. But what do you do with it? You got to take it and you got to aim it and bring it to Jesus. That's what you have to do. And that's what what John the Baptist is doing right here. Um, So when we're in that place, this is what Jesus says. Jesus wants to remind us of some important things. In our trials, he knows that there's many things we don't understand. There's some things that we hear, but there's things that we don't see. Jesus Jesus realizes that. As you go through life, yes, yeah, I heard some things. I heard in scripture. I heard that that's God's nature. I heard that that's his way. But I haven't seen it myself, and I need to see it in my life right now, and I'm not seeing it right now. But I, but I heard, I heard God does these things, but I'm not seeing it right now. Jesus knows. Jesus knows there are things we don't know about our journey and what's in front of us and our trials. This is a uh, next point this morning, and it's, it's important to hold on to this one. Faith 
is not about what you don't know. It's about what you do know. Faith is not about what you don't know. It's about what you do know. You see, John the Baptist didn't know because he's in prison and now he's questioning his faith, but it's like, hold John, John, wait a second. What do you know? Well, what I do know is when Jesus came and I baptized him, the heavens opened, the Father spoke to him. I do know that. Okay, John, it's not about what you don't know. It's about what you do know. You already know, John. Does this make sense? You already know. And, and, and this, is, this is important because this happens all the time in life. It's not about what you don't know. It's about, it's about what you do know. I mean, God has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're going through things we don't see. We don't know how it's going to end. It's difficult. Yes, we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, we want to know. Pray. Maybe God will give you insight and give you revelation. But I do know he will give you strength. And I do know we have to go on what we do know. And we can't just say, I'm not taking a step further until I know there's so many people I see in life, they go through a trial, and the trial did not end the way they thought it would end. And because of it, they want an answer from God. Why did this happen? And how come you let this happen? And because of that, they don't take one step further. Their walk is over. They don't take one step further with God. Why? Because they want to know. And I encourage people, you take that thing you want to know and keep walking. It's not about what you don't know, it's about what you already know. When you see him face to face, you take all of those things, and the Bible says what is unknown will be fully known, just as we will be fully known. We'll be able to put everything in front of him, every question you ever, they're all going to get answered, but in the meantime, some stop walking because they hold on to this stuff and refuse to go further, and John the Baptist is having this kind of struggle. I I need to know. I know what I saw back then, but I kind of need to know because... I'm not really liking this. So faith is not about what you don't know. It's about what you, what you do know. And specifically when your trial is difficult and you can't really see ahead and you don't know, go off of what you do know. What are God's promises that you do know? What are the experiences you have with God that you do know? In fact, how he's come through before. Israel was great at this. Israel went through the desert. Uh, if you guys are reading along in the, in the Bible, how many of you guys are reading through the Bible? In the, in the thing? Awesome, come on, that's awesome. Give yourselves a round of applause because that's epic that our church is going through the word together. Um, and you know, if you're, you're late, just jump in and start following along right now, guys. It's really cool. It's in the church app. You just open it. It has the, the daily reading. And uh, if you're busy, you're driving to work and you can't click audio and just listen to it. And then you're keeping up with everybody. So it's really cool. But all that to say is uh, there's this process where we see Israel traveling through the desert. And we're going to get into more of the, the, the stories, how this thing rolls out. But as they're going through the desert, God does things like part the seas for them. And then later on, they're complaining. But then they have to recall. They don't know the future. They want to know. But they recall what they, what they do know. And they say, well, hold on a second. God did part the seas for us, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, well, we do know that, and we do know that he provides. And they would recall on what they do know, and pretty soon water's coming from a rock and all these other gods feeding them, and, and all of a sudden they're starting to recall these things. When they get into a trial, they're like, well, wait, he is the God who delivered us from Egypt. He is the God who departed. And they start to recall what they do know, and that's what you and I need to do as well, is to recall what God has already done and what God has already said. God has already shown you things. You know what he's shown you. You know what he has shown you. Recall what he's already shown you, what he's already done, and what he's already said. That's a great way uh, to do that. But John hears the stories about what Jesus is doing from jail, but he hasn't seen anything with his own eyes. 
And Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61, and, and Jesus says, listen, I, I have compassion for John. I know he's in a, tr- a, a trial, and he's a prophet, and he's going through persecution right now, and he doesn't like his situation. But go back, even though John hears and doesn't see, I want you guys to go back and tell him what you hear and what you see. John doesn't see, but you see. And I want you to go back and tell him what you hear and what you see. And he quotes Isaiah 61, that the blind will receive sight, the lame will walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And that is out of Isaiah 61. When the Messiah comes, God chose, God's chosen one, when the Messiah, the Christ comes, that's what he's gonna do. So he's telling these guys that are sent from John, can you verify that Jesus is for sure the one? Jesus says, he doesn't see, but you guys see. Tell him what you see and go tell him what, what you guys see. And that's pretty amazing. And I would encourage you guys very highly. You have friends around you and family members, neighbors going through trials. And some of them, they don't see. They, they don't have a lot of hope. They're losing hope because they don't see. But guess what? You see. Sometimes you can see further down the road than some others can. And you can come alongside and encourage just like these guys are doing. They're going to go back to John the Baptist and say, John the Baptist, I know you don't see, but let's, let me tell you what we see. We have heard and we have seen. And sometimes you need to put your arm around somebody when they feel hopeless about their life or their marriage or their this or their future or their career or their calling or whatever it might be. And people start losing hope because the enemy is relentless at trying to pull the life and the hope out of people. You need to come alongside them and say, Hey, brother, let me tell you something. I don't know what you see, but let me tell you what I see. I see that God is good, and he's got plans for you, and they're not to harm you. They are to prosper you and give you hope in the future, and I can't tell you your details, but I can tell you, you keep your eyes on him, and he will keep you in perfect peace. You keep your eyes on, you put him first, and he's going to give you the desires of your heart. I don't know everything about your future, but I can tell you that. I can, I can at least see that much. And you need to tell people what you see and hear on their behalf, just like we need that in our lives. I know when I'm going through struggles, I need real friends, real brothers, and my wife even to say, hey, honey, this is, this is what I see. And sometimes we're not seeing, we need others to see on our behalf. Uh, life seems to be like mountains and valleys, this whole journey, this, that sometimes we're really close to God, we have an amazing vantage point, you're having a mountaintop experience and you see really, really well, but sometimes you're going through a valley and you don't see really well, but your friend can look further than you and tell you what they see. And this is what we need to do. John the Baptist, he's hearing things, he's seeing nothing. And Jesus says, go back and tell him what you, what you see. Um, but then he says this amazing thing, because if we don't help people to see, sometimes they stumble. John is faltering in his faith. And Jesus tells the apostles, go back and tell them what you see. Here's the problem. If we don't help people and tell them what we do see on their behalf, encourage them in their faith, encourage them in their faith, even to have faith when they can't see, if we don't do that, some people stumble along the way. They stumble along the way. And Jesus says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Wow. In other words, just because I'm not showing up when you want or how you want or the way you want, don't trip over that. Does that make sense? Jesus is saying, just because I'm not where you want, when you want, how you want, uh, maybe John the Baptist is thinking, Jesus is supposed to bust me out of prison. I think that's what he's supposed to do, and he's not doing it. So now John's faith is going downhill. And Jesus said, blessed are those who don't stumble 
um, on account of me. So when you're in a trial and you can't see and you can't hear and you don't understand, Jesus is saying, don't stumble over that. Don't stumble over that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of the unseen. We don't have to stumble. And, and John the Baptist is stumbling with Jesus. Who is Jesus? Did he really say that? I don't know. I'm wondering. Maybe there's somebody else. John the Baptist is flat out stumbling right now. And Jesus is like, tell him what you see. Help him out. Don't let him stumble over this. We need to do the same. We need brothers and sisters in our lives to speak into our lives as well um, so that we would have that kind of uh, assurance in our faith. Uh, I love this. Let's look at this really quick before we finish our main passage. You can just, uh, we'll put it on the screen. You don't have to turn there. It's 1 Peter uh, 6 through 7. Uh, 1 Peter 6 through 7. And it talks about these these trials we go through and what the purpose is when we're going through. Even trials... You're trying to have faith and you can't see anything. And you're like, what is even the purpose of this thing? I don't even see the upside of this trial. I don't see the good in it. I don't see how God's going to get the glory. I don't see how I'm going to, I don't see anything good in this trial. And, and I'm sure John was in one of those right now. But this is what it says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 6. It says, in all this, talking about these trials, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, here's the reason why. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though it's refined by the fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying the only way you're going to prove, prove that your faith is genuine is if you actually go through a trial. Again, anyone can say they have faith. And soon as things get difficult, there isn't really any faith. The only way you can prove is to continue in faith through a trial. And so the fourth point this morning, and this is important, is is my faith must be tested to prove itself genuine. My faith has to be tested to prove itself genuine. If we don't go through trials, we don't even really know how genuine our faith is. You know, Peter knows this. He wrote this down, this passage we just read. Peter knows this. Peter was the one that was saying, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus said he's going to go to the cross and people are going to betray him and turn him over to be created. And he's like, no way, Jesus. They're going to have to go through this cowboy first. That's what Peter said. They're not touching you. They got to go through me first. Don't worry, I got you. This is Peter saying this to Jesus. And yet, in the garden, when they came for Jesus and they came with their swords, their clubs and everything like that, all the apostles ran away. And then Peter is like sneaking up to see what's going on. And they're like, are you with Jesus? No. I'm not with Jesus. I don't even know him. Never saw the guy. And we see this boldness that we say it's faith until it's challenged, and then sometimes it shrinks back. Peter's like, I failed that test once. I don't want to fail that test again. And Jesus comes and restores him after this, says, I know that happened. I still love you. Follow me. And Peter gets stronger and stronger, and he's been helping people ever since, and first and second Peter. But the point is this. Um, Our faith has to be tested to prove itself genuine. That's really important. A great example of that, too, is in the book of Job. In the book of Job. We'll be reading that soon as it comes up. But uh, Job is going through the worst time in his life. He lost his health. He lost his children. He lost his wealth. Even his own wife says, admit it. You're washed up. You're done. You're over with. Just curse God and die. God obviously hates you. Look Look at your life. All the counsel around him is saying, dude, it's over for you. The only thing you have left to live for is, is to die. That's what everyone's basically telling Job. 
And everything looks by the visual like, hey, that doesn't get any worse than that, pal. That's about as bad as it can get. You lost your kids, you lost your wealth, you lost your, your health, you lost your, you know, your wife is telling you to just throw in the towel. I mean, this is about as bad as it can get. And even though he felt like his life was over and the only thing left to do was die, he makes the greatest statement of faith in the Bible, the greatest statement of faith in the Bible. And this is what he says. He says, first of all, his friends are saying, look what God's doing to you. And he's like, yeah, I don't think this is God doing it. But listen, even if it is God, it was really the devil doing it. We know from scripture. But he said, even if it is God, even if God's doing this to me directly, even if he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Even if God is taking me out personally right now, I am going to trust him. Wow. That is the greatest statement of faith in the Bible. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And things start to turn around for Job after statements of faith like this. He really believes it. It's one of the greatest statements of faith in the Bible. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's having faith when you cannot see. Job Job lost his wealth, his kids, he lost his health, his family, his wife, friends are all, everything is caving in on him fast. There's nothing left to live for. And yet, Job has faith when he cannot see. There's nothing to see. Nothing. No light at the end of the tunnel. No pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for him. Nothing. He's like, listen, I know God's good. I believe in his nature. I don't understand my trial at all. I can't even figure it out, and neither can his friends or his wife. And says, even if God wants to take me out, I'm going to trust him. That is amazing faith. And that encourages us to do what it tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.5, to walk by faith and not by, to listen, to walk by and not by, now we need everybody in on that, to walk by and not by, that's the take home today, guys, to walk by faith and not by sight. Because how do you have faith when you can't see? There's only one way. You gotta walk by faith and not by sight. If we're walking by sight, we're going to stop all the time. We're going to stop all the time. We're going to pull over. We're going to stop. We're not going to take another step. That's when you have to believe in God's nature, his character. You have to know what he's already said and shown you before. And you've got to believe he has a hope and a future for you. You continue in faith. We don't just, don't just stop. And so this passage goes on in verse 7. And this would be great if the uh, worship team comes up. We're going to summarize on this. And it says, as John's disciples were leaving, to go back and Tell John. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you see? What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Nope. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I will tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For the days of John, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and the violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, uh, let him hear. So Jesus now is honoring, he's honoring John the Baptist in a really big way. 
Uh, Jesus understands when we have struggles in our faith. Jesus could be condemning John for his little faith struggle, his crisis. Jesus does not condemn you when you have a struggle in your faith. He welcomes you, he encouraged the faith, and now he's honoring John in a really, really big way. He said, when you went out there, you didn't see a weed a reed blowing in the wind. The, the, the reed doesn't make up its own mind. It blows wherever the wind tells it. The, the wind blows, it goes, and it leans everywhere the wind tells it to go. And he's like, John, John was not swayed. John was not swayed by popular opinion. He wasn't swayed by politically correct. He wasn't swayed by what his friends thought. He, wasn't, he, he knew what God wanted him to do, and he was just on it. And he was honest, and he was convicted, and he was real, and he was raw, and he was powerful, and he wasn't swayed all over the place. He wasn't swayed by peer pressure or the fear of man. And he was a powerful prophet in the spirit of Elijah. The promise is that before the Messiah comes, one will come in the spirit of Elijah. And that was John the Baptist in the same way that Elijah faced crazy kinds of evil in his time and spoke the truth and went head on into a wall full of evil. John the Baptist said, You know, Roman Empire, I don't care what they think, this is true. And the the religious leaders, I don't care what they say, this is true. And he just kind of went at it in the same kind of spirit as a fulfillment. And no one, it says, was raised up greater. One translation says no one was born greater. But the proper rendering of the Greek is not that somebody was born great. It's that they were raised up great. And this passage here says no one was raised up greater. In other words, God did this work in his life and developed him in his calling and developed him in his faith to where he, 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 he came he, he to step into his calling in a powerful way. And no one was greater than this prophet because all the other prophets talked way in advance about a, a Messiah ready to come. But John the Baptist was chosen to be the one. Here he is right now, the one the world's been waiting for. The Messiah is here and baptizes him. And and Jesus honors him on this higher level. And yet he says that even though as great as he was, those of you who are in the kingdom are greater than he. And you're thinking, well, how could we, if we say yes to Jesus by faith, how can we be greater than John the Baptist? Look what he did. We We didn't go through what he went through. John the Baptist, if we continue in the passages, he's he's going to die before Jesus goes to the cross and raises from the dead. He believes in what's to come, just like all the prophets of old, and is being persecuted for his faith, like many of prophets of old. But he didn't quite get to see the cross and the resurrection and live on that side of it. He died on this side of it. And Jesus is saying that you're greater. He's saying those who are in the kingdom are even greater than than he is. And that's pretty amazing because it's greater to be a Christ follower than an Old Testament prophet, this is saying, which is pretty baffling. And you're thinking, how, how can that be? Well, the difference with us and, and them, they believed in something to come, but we see Jesus who did come. And we can say yes to him personally and turn and follow. We can enter into the kingdom. They talk about a kingdom to come, but we have a kingdom offered to us right here in our midst right now that we receive by faith, by what Jesus did on the cross, that he died on a cross for our sins and he rose from the dead to conquer sin and death. And when we turn and we follow, that's when we enter that kingdom and we get in on this beautiful reality. And Jesus says those are greater because that takes faith and God always honors faith. So the last point this morning is is that this passage is saying that we are made great by our faith in Jesus Christ. Not by our works, not we're made great by our faith in Jesus Christ. 
If you want to read about greatness in God's eyes and faith and how greatness and faith go together, read Hebrews chapter 11. You're going to read an entire chapter in the Bible where it's a big standing ovation that God is saying, these people had faith and I'm saluting them. I'm saluting them. I'm saluting them. And God salutes you for your faith. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I just want to pray this morning that God seals some things in our hearts this morning. But specifically, guys, when you're going through a trial and you can't see, what are you going to do? Are you going to stop? Are you going to pull over? I know one thing we all do. We start to question things and be very careful of that. When that voice comes up, did God really say or is be careful of that? Maybe I made the wrong decision. Be careful of that. The enemy is great at trying to put those ideas The Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes these ideas, did God really say? Well, I wonder if God, I wonder if there's a better way. Be careful of that. The enemy is great at sending those ideas our way. Take those those thoughts captive. And the Bible says that anything, we demolish any argument in our mind that rises itself up against the knowledge of God. God said this, but the argument is rising up to say something different. Demolish it take it down because the enemy is great at doing this. Listen, guys, God wants you to be victorious in your trials. We will have crises of faith. We will be slowing down because we have no idea what God is doing. I encourage you, recall what he's already told you. Recall what he's already said. Recall what his nature is because when you know the nature of God, you know your faith is only as good as the object that you're placing it in and that's God Almighty. And you're going to be in a much better place. So I want to close in prayer. Ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. And uh, mighty God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room, Lord, that we would have faith when we cannot see. When we don't know what you are doing, we would have faith. When we don't understand, God, when our trial seems to be longer than we thought, when it's not working the way we thought, when, it, when it's not looking the way we thought it would look, when... Uh, we can't figure it out. We don't even know if there's any good in it. But God, I pray we would have faith when we cannot see God. I pray that we would be people, sons and daughters that would walk by faith and not by sight because that's what faith is. It's the assurance of the things hoped for and the conviction of the unseen. I pray we would start walking in a boldness to the unseen, God. I pray you would. we're living in times where we can't be walking by sight. We've created everything in virtual reality all around us, things that never existed in the beginning of, since the beginning of humanity. They never had things to look at, to distract. And Lord, if we're walking by sight, we're going to be seriously confused. If we walk by sight, we're going to be seriously uh, duped, God. We're going to be believing in counterfeits. So I pray more than ever, Lord, we would be walking by faith and not by sight. I just pray you bless us with that special endowment of your grace, of extra faith, and an extra boldness and an extra conviction when we cannot see. And we thank you for that. And we ask these things in in Jesus' name. And God's people said. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.